Now that you've found UBN Radio and discovered our quality talk shows, it's time to spread the word to friends, family, and the universe. 24 hours of music and talk. Radio without limits. That's why people keep coming back for more. That's UBNRadio.com. Welcome to Distill It with Richard Listens. I'm your host, Peter Sobe, and happy to be here on this somewhat gloomy Monday night in Los Angeles. And it's been a great week and a great weekend and a great two weeks since we last saw you live. And without further ado, I'm going to introduce who is sitting around me here at this great table. I got to tell our audience out there who are watching on UBNTVRadio.com and maybe watching us on Facebook.com slash Richard Listens. And if you are watching us on Facebook Live at the Richard Listens page, be sure to send us your comments, your questions, right there in the uh, you know in the little comment box, and we will ideally mention you on air, ask your question on air, and have a conversation with you through the comments. It's very exciting. Our biggest fan, AJ Collier, has already joined us. So, before I introduce everyone, I just want to say, you know, what an honor it is for me to host Distill It with Richard Listens. As I was thinking about when I'm introducing the folks around me, it's really, and we do this in the uh, in the, some of the marketing I've mentioned that this is like an expert panel. This is a show about sports, a 360 degree view of life in sports. In every topic, we have different topics relating to sports. But really, the people here, the hosts of this show, they're experts in their fields. I mean, it's amazing. And it's an honor for me to be here. And we have a guest in the house tonight, too. It's an honor to have him on the show for the second time. So without further ado, first, let's welcome Dr. Richard Olberger. He is our resident psychologist, and he is sitting on his right is our guest, Garrison Reese. Welcome back to the show, Garrison. Thanks for having me back. Um, before we get more into the excitement with Garrison, we're also bringing in <laughs> the fine Hold your excitement, women please, from everyone. the distillery, Wendy and Era. You know what? <laughs> and... As Richard is our extraordinary psychologist, and he deals with sports, he just got a certificate in somatic experiencing. That's a whole nother thing. It's amazing. Garrison is a fitness expert, a trainer. He's got exciting news coming up. Wendy and Era, they have a company called The Distillery. They are athletic transition specialists, and it's incredible. So the amount of knowledge and advice and wisdom and inspiration in this room around this table is amazing. So, without further ado, we have, all of us have some really, really exciting stuff coming up. I'm going to begin with our guest, though, Mr. Garrison Reese. All right. Now, Garrison was on the show back in November. He is a personal trainer and a fitness expert out of Studio Gym in Beverly Hills. They also have a location in Vancouver. They're a boutique gym, really exciting gym, an amazing gym. Richard, you brought Garrison to the show because... You work out at the gym. 
Well, yeah. I mean, people are going to think that, uh, you know, I just invite studio staff to the gym. But, you know, it's been an incredible journey. It was a part of, you know, without getting too much into it tonight, but my journey to pursue adult athletics, which has been our topic before. And it's been something I had no idea that it would be some, you know, I'm like living there now. They, right. <laughs> and, and Garrison trained you hard, right? You know what? It's it's amazing. It's it's an amazing thing to be uh, working, you know, harder than ever, trying to help everyone at this table is really trying to help everyone and give back to the community. And we're regularly saying to people, try something new, do something different. And uh, every day it's uh, it's surrendering. Uh, and, uh, you know, they catch me, you know, uh, you think you're entering lunch hour or, or uh, early morning. But, yeah, I've been I've been getting brutally beaten down in new ways. Right. <laughs> and we uh, on Facebook Live, uh, another one of my Carpentersville childhood friends, Sean Miller, has joined us. Welcome, Sean. And Garrison, yes. you I mean, first of all, you're a beast. Look at this guy. Look at those guns, folks. I mean, this is crazy. Here we're showing a picture of, like, what is this? You competed in a bodybuilding. Yeah, right? a, a men's physique competition. Men's physique competition. Garrison's got it going on. But the really is that what they call body bodybuilding competitions nowadays? Oh, uh, well, that's what they call the division I compete oh, okay. in. Yeah. So Be Garrison, careful, by so, the way. So... I just want to warn all of you, when you compliment Garrison, there's usually a burpee or two that comes your way after. <laughs> oh, <God>. he, he <laughs> was... <laughs> so Garrison, we'll kind of like round back to it at the end of the show with more details for okay. our fans out there. But what's your exciting news coming up on March 7th? Well, for those of you who listened to me last time, I was currently auditioning for American Ninja Warrior. As of last Tuesday, I got the phone call. I am in for American Ninja Warrior. All right. <laughs> so season nine, here I come. It's a big deal. Man, that Very is exciting. Cool. We're all going to look back at this this web, this web podcast here and show and be like, man, Garrison was sitting right in the studio with us. That was crazy. And I got to share one thing. I mean, yes. I, I, we talk all the time about being present for people in their moments of transition, their moments of excitement. I just have to say I was so glad that I walked in one day. I think it was a rainy day during this L.A. storms and Garrison, I think, <laughs> was getting the phone call. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's just so amazing uh, to see him, you know, get into this moment and uh, pursuing it uh, all all out. Absolutely, man. Uh, Sean Miller says, climb that wall, Garrison. That's the plan. There's a lot or more obstacles, really too. So, and, and we'll kind of like later on in the show, Garrison, like toward the end, we'll tell people how they could get tickets and yeah, make sure definitely. they know when to watch and everything because it's, it's just exciting. Congratulations. Man. Thank you. So next, I'm going to move to Wendy and Era. You guys have a very exciting thing coming up the next night on March 8th. We do. There will not be any climbing of any walls, however. <laughs> only well, only climbing over now. people to get in. terribly wrong. <laughs> walking the catwalk, perhaps. Exactly. <laughs> we're not climbing walls, we're walking catwalks. Much more leisurely. <laughs> there we go. And, and, and much we, more style. We are not walking no, the catwalks, but we are <laughs> facilitating <laughs> the walking. Of... I don't think I could fit into any ounce of the clothes that are going to be walking across the, the catwalk that night. <clears throat> right. And so, what is it? So if you want to be at literally the best fashion event in L.A. to occur ever, you will want to be at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel on March 8th at 6 o'clock for a stellar show where for two children's educational charities in Los Angeles that are very dear and near to many of us hearts in this room, we will be 
um, showcasing Ellie Tahari, fashion icon who has wow. not shown in Los Angeles ever. Um, we have three Project Runway um, all-star designers that are going to be featuring their latest designs. We have uh, two international designers, one from London, Kalunga, who designs privately to many stars in Europe, and Denise Fossil, who is with Alpine Stars. And we have uh, a really interesting woman who is the designer and stylist for many sports celebrities. And we will have five, count them five, current NFL players walking the runway wow. in the clothes that she has designed <laughs> oh, wow. for them. Wow. We have from the Seattle Seahawks, LA Rams, Kansas City Chiefs, um, Denver Broncos, and Dallas Cowboys. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, That's I just had to pull that out. We also have a very famous entertainer named Eddie Griffin, who you might have seen. <laughs> yeah, on, we might have heard, might of, have him. heard of him. Yeah. He's Flying. shutting down his show in Vegas for the night to come to L.A. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That must be a big yeah. deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. And we've got the first ever Fashion Setters Award being given to Terrell Owens, who will be there to receive that as well. So amazing. it's a big night. Lots of amazing people coming in. A friend of the show, Terrell Owens. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And it is all to raise um, funds to really help spread uh, spirituality with, within the children's community. Um, wow, that's amazing. Especially in Los Angeles, but really it's about giving kids a spiritual foundation so that they grow up feeling confident, making great decisions, and, and they start at an early age. So I love that. So for more information on the show yes, and please. to buy tickets, www.fashionsetters.org. And that's Fashion Setters, like S-E-T-T-E-R-S dot Correct. org. Yeah. Great. And people can buy tickets. People can sponsor. People can send us items. If you want to send us items for swag bags and get yourself out there. Although we're getting, you know, we're, we're almost over the top with silent auction items. Wow, so. that's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just an incredible lineup. I mean, obviously, it, I would be so excited just to see the NFL stars walk the runway. But yeah. the list of fashion designers you guys have is amazing. And I want to add really fast that um, we have an emerging designer named Bria Taubman, who actually is a graduate of KCA, one of the schools that's going to benefit wow. from the the proceeds of the wow, fashion that's show. amazing. And I know I looked at the site. Actually, I really love Michelle Fleiss. Like, I love her design. Melissa Fleiss. Oh, Melissa. Melissa Fleiss. Yeah, look how I you love really Michelle love her. <laughs> You love her so much. I love her so much. But she got a special call name. out, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, Melissa, but, we love you. <laughs> but no, I remember her on Project Runway, yeah. and her aesthetic was just really amazing and yeah. cool. So... Lots, yeah. lots of she's, exciting uh, She's things. one of the local, one of the local designers. Right. We have Amanda Valentine, who was very popular on Project Runway. Or as I would say, Armando Valente. Yes. Right. Or, <laughs> oh, right. try this one. Or Daniel Esquivel, who was also from Project Runway. Hit it. Uh, so that would be Paul Escavante. <laughs> so an amazing lineup of fashion designers that I love. I'm big fans of yep. all these people that I don't know their names. And uh, hey, Rebecca Kafai has joined us, and she said, nice plug, ladies. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> Very exciting. A lot of people checking in tonight, so keep checking in. Sean Miller wants to know if it's Zeke Elliott, but we're not saying right now, Sean. <laughs> we're not. You'll just have to attend. Yeah, yep, right. exactly. Right. Buy a ticket. <laughs> oh, and it's all and all tickets are tax deductible too. Right. Sorry, just got to get that in. <laughs> yep. Awesome. And we will be. And at the end of the show, I'll have you guys remind people of the website and everything. You got it. It's a great, great, great cause, and 
I believe this is our last show before then. Right. So, you know, we got to get it in now. So many great things. Richard, speaking of great events and for a special cause and with incredible, incredible people. Talk about me. No, I'm just kidding. We do have a thing coming up ourselves, too, that I'll mention quickly before we get to our topic. But please, coming up Saturday night, February 25th, in five nights, tell us what you got going on. Yeah, this is an exciting week, and, I, and I'm, I'm excited to to be there to accompany Peter, and he's doing some big things this week. Um, so, But Saturday night, we'll have the special Maccabees. We've had Jeff Liss on the show. We've, we've plugged it before, but to, this Saturday night is the big game. It'll be special Maccabees versus special Olympics. And uh, we're inviting, you know, anyone out to come support. It's amazing to see the beauty, the purity of, uh, it ties into our topic tonight too, just the love of the game, love of playing, loving being out there with your friend. You know, sometimes the ball may drop to the floor, but but a hug will pursue so or ensue. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting. Um, It's the one thing that they practice for four months up to this event. Um, And... um, we, we, we're going to have a dunk contest. There'll be a pizza party after. And, uh, you know, parents, bring your teens out. Uh, anyone's welcome to come out and support. It should only take an hour and a half of your evening. And where's it at, or how can it's they get the It's at the, the uh, West Side JCC. I believe it's 8750 Olympic. Um, Do they need tickets, or can they just show up and get a ticket there? You can show up and get a ticket there. We have raffle tickets for $5 each. Um, or I think five for 20. So great way to raise money for the charity. And um, it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. And I'm grateful. It is. That's amazing. And um, really quick too, I forgot to mention Wendy and you have, you have uh, said you will wear a different hat every show and you have a different hat on. Tonight. I do. It's a <laughs> red kind of military looking hat or something. It needed to be red because it is so, so gloomy out. I wanted to brighten up the kind of gray skies. I love it. So it that does. was my theme for my night. And you're wearing night. a gray sweater, gray skies, but the bright red hat. I love it. Yep. And my hat is a Chicago Cubs World Championship of 2016 hat <clears> with <throat> the World Series trophy. Thank you very much. And since we always seem to mention the Cubs and donuts really quick, but we won't talk about donuts, even though I just said them. So we got it in. <laughs> and really quick. Um. Our topic, I do want to just mention the adventure that Richard and I are going on, but just so you know, after we talk about that for a moment, our topic tonight is the pros and cons of sports activity for kids, and we all have a lot to say about it, some interesting articles and pros and cons to talk about and everything, so we will be coming up to that in just a moment, and really quick, uh, Dr. Richard and I... I've been asked to speak at a symposium at Stanford University. I'm doing that on Thursday. And it's for the symposium itself is for minorities in the entertainment industry. And I'll be speaking on uh, disabled in the entertainment industry. And that'll be at Stanford on Thursday. And then Friday night, I'll be speaking at the Salesforce convention in San Francisco about the same thing, disability in media. So that's going to be exciting. But Dr. Richard's coming up with me. And we are we have a couple great interviews set up on the Stanford campus with different sports people. We have a, a gentleman that teaches intro writing for freshman athletes, which is going to be really interesting to learn about. Um, Dr. Richard also hooked us up with a psychiatrist, right? That's correct. Who is a psychiatrist? At, she's a professor, but a psychiatrist. And That's right. I believe she works with athletes as well, perhaps studying concussions. 
from, from my initial understanding. Yeah, and that's amazing. And and then we have the uh, sports director there that's going to hook us up with a couple of student athletes too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So you'll be seeing a lot of Facebook Live from us. We'll also do some videos that we could share on the next show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We look forward to it. Road tripping with Dr. Richard. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. So, uh, and thank you, Sean Miller. You said, awesome, no better person to speak about disability than you, Peter. All right, I guess I can speak from experience, right? (laughs) That's right. For those of you that can't see, I use a wheelchair because all you see is my head here. But, yes, I'm a quadriplegic. I use a wheelchair, and I will be speaking on disability in the media. Speaking of media, that is an awful segue for our topic, (laughs) which is the pros and cons of sports activities for kids. Now, Wendy... Why don't you start us off? Like, why is this a topic that Distill It wants to cover? Well, I think it's a topic that we want to cover, first of all, because what Aaron and I are constantly looking to do is help people transition, athletes transition um, from different parts of their career and then after their career out of uh, sports. And there's a lot of discussion in the world today about kids and and playing sports is it good for them is it not good for them how intense should it be um how are they transitioning believe it or not from elementary school into high school sports from high school sports into collegiate sports and then on to the pros and we just thought it would be something really important to talk about because we all have kids we're all engaged in some kind of sport with them and richard is the perfect person to talk about the the psychology of it so we wanted to address it. And just so you guys know, for the sake of having a great technical show, Wendy and Era, don't be afraid to kind of cheat toward talking right at your camera so we get to see more of your beautiful faces. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's so shy. So I know you want to make eye contact with me, and that's great, but then we only see your profile. I'm going to just look at myself in the, so, in the camera right there and have a good time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so she threw that one to you, Dr. Richard. She did, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she did. You know, I will say, like, we have Garrison sitting here right next to you, Dr. Richard. And the reason why we brought Garrison for this show, people might be wondering okay, he's an American ninja, a fitness trainer. All right, whoop de doo, great stuff. But he was a child athlete. You know, I think a lot of us have played sports as children and have experiences, but he has, uh, he definitely has, like, a great background with it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm 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 just so amazed that as we know these topics are coming up, what's happening with the Distillit and Richard Listens crew, what's happening um, in the discussions that, that Garrison and I were, were able to have even in the last week, as the questions went out about this topic, and it just unloads all these memories and experiences, um, and and Garrison having a very different uh, and unique experience um, with with players that that, uh, some of them are household names for me growing up being someone who watched uh, NCAA basketball and um, was heard all about um, you know what it would be like to play at that high level and um, you know really wished that there was a a father coach or or someone involved with that kind of support at a young age so it's been amazing for me to hear uh, his experience and to get to actually to to play with him uh, lately so um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's unique the way things are unfolding with the team here that, that we're getting to go on the journey with each other and, uh, to learn more about, uh, what makes us unique. Yeah. Great. And before we kind of start getting into questions about your child athletic things, Garrison, <laughs> era, 
why don't you just pipe in in a minute why this topic is important to you? I was just going to ask. I was going to say, you know, we were doing some research earlier, Wendy and I, and, and, you know, the National Alliance for Youth Sports estimates that about 70% of kids in the U.S. will stop playing organized sports by around the age 13. Wow. Why is that? And it's fascinating to me, I think, because, and certainly Garrison and I were talking about this earlier this evening, we're saying we both have a shared experience in terms of having been, um, you know, child athletes moving into high school playing our sports and then suffering injuries. Very quickly, he and I were both discussing how fascinating it was that we immediately knew we had to think about the next step. And for what Wendy and I do professionally, we're always doing just that, helping our clients see that they have this athletic intelligence that doesn't dissipate because they've stopped competing. So how do you simply take that athletic intelligence and repurpose it? So what's fascinating about the study to me is that we're now talking about 70% of kids who have spent a significant amount of time playing organized sports. Do they have an athletic intelligence, first of all? And if so, and if they're no longer competing, what are they doing with it? Interesting. And, you know, we like to bring our guests into the show. We already have a comment that would be great for you to address. Um, First of all, welcome to the show, Eric Hunt, a good friend of mine, an amazing entertainment accountant. Welcome to the show, Lisa Bocanegra, another another friend of mine from back in the day. She said, it's great to see all your beautiful faces live. Go Cubbies, go Donuts. Thank you. (laughs) Um, But Sean Miller says kids should have fun and not worry about winning or losing at the young age. Parents and coaches need to relax. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you guys have to say well, about that? It, it's Sorry, no, go, ahead. go ahead. I was going to say it's one of the big points that's highlighted in that study is yeah. just that. Why are they dropping out? They're no longer having fun. And so, and so much of that is culturally driven, I think, by the parents, by the coaches, by everyone that surrounds these kids. You know, very early on, they're pushed to have to figure out what their specialty is going to be, what is their one sport. Mm-hmm. And they, in, they invest unlimited amounts of hours, and all of their time and thinking really goes into that particular sport. It just doesn't become fun. Well, and, and the interesting part is, is that what some of the research is showing there is there isn't a place for kids to go play to just have fun. Because if you're not competing at that level that a high school coach or a, even a junior high coach or an elementary school coach. You're weeded out. You're weeded out. And, yeah. and, and you're made to not feel excited about the sport. So I think that it, it's a real problem, actually. Um, and I think that the, the pressure that goes into, into it is not always about the parents the kids the kids have a desire i i'd ask you garrison like when you're playing as a as a young athlete mm-hmm. the desire came from you now right. you're telling us it maybe wasn't in the right sport but mm-hmm. you had the desire right right definitely uh that's one thing that i was fortunate enough to do was be able to play all sports and kind of choose what sport i wanted to pursue full-time quote-unquote but uh, there was definitely the fun factor was always there for me. Uh, for some kids, it might be different, which is a whole other discussion is what defines having fun. Growing up, for me, having fun was winning. So when I took a loss, it wasn't the greatest. Yeah, absolutely. And Dr. Richard, you are a coach of children. A.J. Collier says overbearing parents and coaches that coach to win rather than coaching kids to learn skills and have fun. What's your stance on that as a coach? Well, I coach an under-10 soccer (laughs) team, and I just came from an under-14 youth tournament, 2,000 people out at the Locomotion Tournament in Riverside. And there's quite a a contrast when you go from coaching like under-6 to under-14 and what I just 
came from from witnessing today and this weekend. I think it's a little bit easier <laughs> to keep it about fun with with younger kids, and then there is this pressure as kids are investing more and more practice time. Uh, the parents are making bigger and bigger investments to travel to invest in, uh, you know, club teams and things of that nature. So um, you can feel the intensity kind of shift, and you know, it, it speaks to the role of the coach and, and the community of the team and, and who's kind of bringing that together. And I'm, you know, um, yeah, so it can be a challenge. But keeping it fun for younger kids, I mean, that's why I enjoy it so much. They really just seem to enjoy being out there together. Um, right, right. And I think this comment is, is aimed toward you, Dr. Richard. Keith Doro, do you know Keith Doro? He says, did, Phi you, Delta Theta for I. did you call a foul every time you missed a shot at Phi Delta <laughs> Tournament Basketball Finals? Wow. Wow, were you in that finals with me? I, if I did, you know, listen, I had, that's one of my knacks is <laughs> the ability to draw a foul, Keith. So, <laughs> so and now I, I turn it back to Wendy and Era because uh, – this is really great. On our Facebook.com, Richard Listens, we have a lot of people interacting, asking questions, joining the conversation, and we love that. Great. I bring it, this back to you. Our friend AJ, once again, comes in with sports specialization at way too young of ages. The three-sport athlete is the thing of the past. Now, you guys were, we were talking about this yeah, earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I was saying, I, I read another article where it was talking about the increase in injuries to children under the age of 12 in things like rotator cuff, tendons, knees, things that you wouldn't see normally until a person was well into their teens or at the collegiate level. And that's because parents are, I don't want to just say parents, even it could come from the kid, it could come from the coach, are, are pushing to specialize like at five and six. So the repetitive nature of the training that's starting before a child even has fully developed is damaging and and I don't want to look at all of us and say everything that we're going to say here is is negative there's so many benefits to having you know kids in sports activities from an early age but the the thrust of this article was you can't specialize that early right. and I you know right. and Sean Miller does ask why are there 9 years old 9 year old kids traveling across the country to play in tournaments come on you know, it, it's actually it's an interesting question for you, Garrison. We see parents and coaches again pushing kids younger and younger mm -hmm. to specialize, to train, overtrain. Oftentimes, is there a real significant impact in terms of how well these kids develop into their athletic abilities? I mean, in other words, by pushing them younger mm -hmm. and harder, are we really saying that if you're working that hard at age six, seven, eight, you're going to at thirteen, fourteen be that much more? that much stronger, that much better of an athlete than those who maybe didn't take up the sport until age mm -hmm. eight, nine? or I would say your, your chances of being noticed is, are, are, high, are much higher, but um, it just depends, man. Like I said earlier, I mean, you got to let the kid decide. If yeah. the kid has that fire inside them to want to be better and to want to be the best in that sport, then, I mean, you can't stand in their way. But there does come a point where – you're training this kid because you want them to be the best, not necessarily because they do. And I think that's where we have this conflict with kids yeah. dropping out of sports at an early age. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sean Miller says parents need to stop living vicariously through their kids. Right. Now, Garrison, you tell us a little bit about the relationship with your father, and then I want to go to Dr. Richard because he had a very different relationship with his father as it relates to being a child athlete. 
Right. Well, growing up, my father was always involved. He was always one of my coaches in every sport that I played. Uh, Richard actually told me he didn't have that luxury, but um, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I mean, yeah, it comes with a certain expectation being the coach's son. And obviously you have other players that think you get that extra minute of playing time sure. or you get that extra look because you're the coach's son. But there's also a lot of burdens that come with it. I mean, yeah. that expectation, it can be one of those burdens. I mean, I knew my dad expected to best out of, the best out of me, even if he didn't expect so out of the other kids. Right. Which, could be unfair at sometimes, but again, I was one of those kids that was always hungry to be the best, so yeah. I took all the positive out of it, none of the negatives. Can I ask a question? Yes. Was your dad able to kind of switch gears when you guys got home after a, you know after a practice or after a training session or whatever? Was he able to kind of separate? Well, he kind of let me determine that. If he saw that when we got home, I still wanted to talk about the game, then we would still talk about it, but... If he saw that I was kind of over it and didn't want to discuss it, then he gave me my space, which is good. I mean, you don't see that these days. A lot of these parents are in their kids' faces, like we said, overtraining them and overpushing them to be something that they don't necessarily want to be. But, uh, I mean, we had a good enough relationship where, I mean, he could read me well, and he knew when I wanted to talk about it or sure. if it was time to just be dad. Yeah, And can you also just share, because I, I loved what you were telling me earlier about your father. He was obviously a great coach, but he also reinforced something else in you. You said he was also always telling you. Right. Uh, I was always school first. Uh, there was never like, all you're going to do is play basketball or yeah. play football or this is going to be your your way, paying your way into college. It was always school first. So the grades weren't white, right. I didn't get to play. Yeah. So, I mean, which forced me to make good grades growing up, which is good, too, like we said that's often put on the back burn for sports when that's and actually what's the most important thing in a child's life I feel like yeah absolutely and he also talked to you about you know he made it clear that you might not go right there was always he told me you know there's a chance that you might not make it professionally and right. you need to have a backup plan which we love hearing because that's one of we the biggest the struggles right. yeah. exactly <laughs> this story yeah. have time and again I mean not just with the clients that we work with but um, certainly with the organizations that we try mm -hmm. and you know get them to do some work with I mean colleges universities it's it's a big challenge to get right. anyone to spend a significant amount of time thinking about something other than that immediate goal of either going to high school mm -hmm. and playing or going to college and playing mm -hmm. or turning pro. Right. It's a challenge. And so really, Garrison, your experience with your father was very positive, it sounds like. Right, definitely. Like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. He's, to this day, still my favorite coach. Wow, that's amazing. In comparison, Dr. Richard, you love your father, but... Well, he did, he did something very different for me. Let's not... Uh, you know, bag on Jack Olberger here. You know. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 but a very different thing is that, you know, it's a lot of what we talk about, and I'm sure the distillery works on is, you know, know who you are and know what you're not. And and he loves sports. Yeah. And uh, his love to be with his friends and listen to the New York Giants on a, on a radio, whether it be in our living room or on top of a mountain. Sure. Uh, hiking in New Jersey uh, it was one of the more spiritual experiences that I had from my father with his friendship and then being a witness to that. So and uh, part of the perks of his job was that he was occasionally given um, tickets to New York Giants in the freezing cold and and the Madison Square Garden where I would get on a train and be able to go in and sit. Yeah. And watch him transform his through the love of sports. So there was something that he gave me that ignited that passion within myself. Sure. Um, so did I find you know my love for basketball later? 
Yes. You know, did I find it on my own? Did I have the the blessing to seek out coaches or the people who were just looking to help? Um, so it was a very different journey in terms of weeding out who are the good coaches, who are the people that help you have fun yeah. and, and believe in you and want to teach you something at a really basic level and this like kid-like excitement of like, oh, I, I can make a layup. Yeah, sure. And, and something as simple as that is just, I could, this is a place I can spend my winter breaks and have fun and friends and, and spend my time and build confidence. Um, and that stuck with me. Uh, so Ri- yeah. Richard, um, uh, I know because you coach and because you're a, a psychologist that you probably have seen the line crossed between a parent that is encouraging their child, maybe pushing them, but in, an, in a way that maybe is not damaging. But you've probably already seen, also seen parents that are extreme and could possibly be damaging their child's love of whatever sport they're playing. What's that? balance like do you have a an idea of how to strike it or what do you tell your clients well let me say this i, I went to a, a illuminating t-ball training a few years ago where the gentleman said in the front of the class he said you know beware on every team that you'll have a problem parent yeah. and if you can't find that problem parent it's probably you yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i keep that parent. i keep that in mind because i like to think that i'm not that guy yeah but depending on our mood, depending on what else is going on, even in the most fortunate of lives, sure. we, you know, maybe want the win to pick us up, you know, to, to you know, just make things a little bit better yeah. or make the trip worth it. And it's easy to lose perspective. Yeah. So so to answer your question directly, personally, what, what I'm trying to do with my family is make it a discussion and include my teenager in the discussion of how are you feeling, you know, Burnout-wise, energy-wise, how's your rest? I mean, I'm amazed with the amount of effort it takes to do what Garrison says, to be a really quality student and train at your sport. Mm. And my son loves to be on the soccer field. And the more opportunities you want to seek and find, there has to be this constant kind of weighing. Does pushing more mean it'll sacrifice something else? Right. And to make that kind of a family discussion, to always be kind of weighing you know, are you feeling connected to your friends? Are you feeling connected right. to your grades? Are you feeling rested at this time where so much is growing and developing? Uh, in terms of a client or, or someone you see on the sideline, I mean, it may be tough. You know, the the, the team that my son plays for has more uh, scholarship players than, than any other team uh, in the region. And mm-hmm. there are families that, that are really working hard, several jobs, just to get their kids out there. Sure. And it may mean a lot. It may mean an awful lot to have that potential to grow right. and to continue. Um, and so it's it's hard to, to pull them off the referees or to take the emotion out of it. And so it may require, you know, really building those relationships with the parents, building trust with them that you're not taking the passion out of what they're they're trying to communicate or the love. Right. But that, that kind of ties into an interesting thing. We have a couple more really interesting comments and, Leona Rachel Schweizer has yeah. joined us on the show. Yay. Hi, Leona. This isn't completely related, but it's an interesting thing she says. If you will be a top athlete, you will be a top athlete. It's in your movie. Is uh, I mean, there's something to be said about that, maybe on a spiritual level, but on a practical level, is that the case? Like, is it just within a child to excel at sports? Well, let's ask Era. 
She started young. I mean, there was a pressure there, right? But you yeah. still love it till today. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I but yes, I think that in terms of the elite athletes, I think there has to be something innate that mm-hmm. is going to be developed. It's going to be nurtured. It's going to be fine-tuned. I don't think that that's something that, you know, we're going to see across the board in everyone. There is mm-hmm. something very unique and specific to an elite athlete. Absolutely. If you've got it, I think you you've got it. But it needs to be developed, and it needs to right. be, you know, but yeah, harnessed. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that you may have it innately, but that does not mean that you don't have to push yourself. You don't yeah. have to train harder than anybody. You don't have to um, push, get up early, and do all of those things. I think that there's – I think that type of quality actually translates across lots of different um, industry category, mm-hmm. personal skill set, whatever you want to call it. Um, when somebody has that level of intensity and passion, if they're meant to be the best, you know, surgeon in the world, they're going to be it. They're going to, they're going to push through no matter what. But I, I think there's plenty of stories out there of those people who do have that innately, who sadly go to the other side, which right. is beating themselves up. Mm-hmm. Failure is not an option and they end up being self-destructive. So I think it, it's two sides of the same coin. Richard, you'd probably know more also Garrison. I mean, it's... Yeah, what was your experience, Garrison? Like, you had a really great parental situation. Mm -hmm. Did you have any friends growing up that had incredible innate talent but maybe didn't have the support behind them and just fell by the wayside? I did. I mean, I think we've all, as athletes, have seen people or kids with raw talent that don't make it because you still need to fine-tune those skills. Right. I mean, you can have all the talent in the world, but you need to be pointed in the right direction if you want to maximize your potential. Yeah. So another interesting comment we got here that kind of ties in, you know, uh, we're talking about the pros and cons of sports and, you know, we have about 15 minutes left of the show. So I think that we will actually get into a lot of the pros because I think we've been talking a lot about kind of like what perhaps keeps kids from sports or some of the obstacles but a final one is Sean Miller does bring up an interesting thing that, uh, or excuse me, A.J. Collier again says that everything has moved to being super organized and super expensive rather than the days when we grew up where you go to the local school sure. and play Sandlot mm-hmm. baseball, yeah. be home by the time the lights are off. And that's become kind of prohibitive, right? Yep. The fact that, mm-hmm. you know, just to play at a certain level is sometimes cost prohibitive. Yeah, it's very interesting, AJ. I feel like you've read all of the articles that we've read because you've hit on like some of the major points mm-hmm. that we've talked about. And it is a really big barrier. Um, some of the statistics I saw that if your child is going to compete in a cu- club level athletics and all of the training and special coaching, you know, sometimes parents are spending twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year just on those things, mm-hmm. and um, that keeps a lot of what could be amazing players, you know, athletes um, and superstars one day out of the sport. So it struck me as being something that I something needs to be fixed about that because it shouldn't have to be that expensive for parents. So and it's, just like it's we're a great seeing, We're seeing great. in schools, even with, with the arts, we're also seeing with sports that are just yeah. being cut out of you know, right. public yeah. institutions where, again, if you don't have the money to pay for you know private training, for private clubs, you know you could, at least in previous days, rely on your <laughs> on your school to, to get you thrown now. For right. so many kids, that's just not that's an, not an option. option. It's painful. And now what I'd like to spend a little time with, we always like to motivate our audience and inspire the audience and leave our audience with some tips and suggestions and stuff. And 
Yeah. Before we wrap up with some great information about American Ninja and the fashion show, let's talk about the pros of of activities, sports activities for kids. Yeah. I mean, it's really important, right? There's In this so many. Day Absolutely. and age of child obesity. Let's go over some of these pros. Like, why do we want our kids active and involved in sports? Well, I was out, um, just quickly, I was yeah, out uh, walking with my daughter this morning, and I, she asked me, she says, so, Mom, what's, what's your show about tonight? And I said, well, we're talking about the pros and cons of sports for kids. She says, well, should I give you my opinion? I said, well, <laughs> of course you should give me your opinion. She, she, says, she asked? Yes. <laughs> I said, what do you think? She says, you know, well, I guess a con is when sometimes I get hurt because it never feels good to get hurt. She says, but you know what I realize? She says, if I can push through that, if I can tolerate that, I can be so strong and I can get through anything in my life. And I'm yeah, thinking that's, amazing. that's what I think is most heartbreaking when you read these statistics about kids pulling away from sports, organized sports, because certainly at the age of 13 where it's so crucial for kids to be learning these skills, to be able to know what it's like to, and you know, to push past failure, to push through yep. pain. I'm not talking injury, but I'm talking about some real discomfort. That's right. it's okay and that's normal. And I think it's crucial for kids to know what that's like and to be able to carry those traits on into adulthood. And uh, Wendy, as you start talking, yeah. Mike Swimney has joined us on the show. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. That's her husband. <laughs> My loyal listener. I, I appreciate it. Um, no, I just I, I found some facts that I you know, I think show incredibly how important sports are. Um, for example, ad adolescents who play sports are eight times as likely to be active at age 24 as adolescents who did not play sports. You know, so an indicator of your activity level as an adult and your health, therefore, as an adult is really kind of determined in a big way of what you're doing when you're younger. Um, things like um, developmental and cognitive cognitive skills are increased dramatically when you're playing sports. So uh, just even what your brain does on a 20-minute walk, the activity increase is huge compared to just sitting around the house. So I, I think there are many, many studies that are always going to show that being um, participating in sports is always going to benefit you more than hurt you, unless it obviously turns to that level where right. it's, you know, apparent... Mm -hmm you know, coming totally. down on you or whatever. Um, and, and I wanted to just touch on the something Era said earlier about when kids drop out, where does that kind of athletic intelligence go? And one of the things that um, is talked about a lot is when you're, especially on a team sport, the skills that you learn, um, you know, leadership, um, how, to, how to play on a team, um, how to work through disappointment and failures. Those are things that you might learn, obviously, if you're not in a, an organized sports activity, because I have to say I wasn't on a team growing up, and I like to think I've learned some of those things, but it's heightened so much when you're on a sports team or you're in an activity where um, you're competitive. So, sure. And you develop social skills that I think are, are, are important. Totally. Know? And certainly in this day and age where nowadays we're seeing kids spending more and more time staring at their iPads or, <laughs> you know, folks on their iPhones right. and, and disconnected from mm -hmm. each other in so many ways. I think there's something really valid about being able to say I go out and I get dirty and I mm -hmm. connect to another human being and we toss a ball back and forth for a bit and feel what it's like for our hearts, heart rate to get up and mm -hmm. to be sweating and to. Yeah, you know. we got a comment here. 
put the phones down and go play outside. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, and a couple of uh, a couple of other pros were pointed out to us: stress reduction, yep. teamwork, sportsmanship, the ability to cope with pressure. Yeah. Dr. Richard, those sound right up your alley. Those are amazing things. Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple angles on that. I mean, number one, I don't remember a time after, like, middle school or high school that we were not playing backyard football. I mean, first thing after school, grab your bike, yeah. go for a ride to the local playground. You know, and uh, we had a local recreation center where you could play basketball every Friday night, every day, Saturday, and all break. So I hope those institutions are staying alive and, and keeping going. Um, but absolutely, I mean, when you move, when you, you teach a kid that they have the ability to put their stress in a place and they can play, you know, most important, we're losing, we're losing the sense of play in all this, the mm-hmm. pressure, you know, the future orientedness, when you're so focused on goal setting that you forget yeah. that you need to enjoy your life and you need to discover and try things that you might enjoy with people you might enjoy. You know, so that's the greatest thing when you talk about under eight years old. But you might become friends with the kid who you think he's weird or he annoys you sure. or he bugs you. You know, you make a play together in soccer, you score a goal, and you're fr- that's what you remember for life. Yeah. So, you know, win or lose um, it creates a whole sharing network of interconnectivity. Yeah. Sean Miller reminds me how we wore out my garage door playing basketball on my driveway. And mm-hmm. Mike Swimney <laughs> brings up a great point. He says that uh, there's a lot of comparisons between playing team sports and developing products and services and business. So here's Mike bringing it to like, you know, even if you don't continue with sports from when you're a kid, it could teach you invaluable things as you grow up and start to learn business absolutely about working with other people you know clients ask me all the time is how do you learn to deal with difficult people i mean it's if you learn that you know at a young age if you learn that with the bully i mean you're going to run into that same person later on in the workforce absolutely well that's the point that era i think was trying to make is that you don't lose any of what you learn in those situations, you know, and what we're always trying to do when we talk to our clients is to help them see it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could all start to do that in an earlier age as well so that a parent actually, if a child says, hey, I'm burnt out, I don't want to do this sport anymore, a parent could say, okay, cool, but let's look at what you Mm -hmm. learned from that and let's see where that fits in someplace else because the reality of it is, what you learn in sports, and this is why Aira and I will speak to her for her about it, why we love sports so much. It is just analogous to every other part of our life. Mm-hmm. And so even from that small tidbit to have your kid in an organized sports activity from an early age is a very positive thing. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask Garrison, you said that you do work with kids and you have trained kids, right? Right. How do you see that in, in children? How do you see how it helps them? Uh, I think the one thing we haven't touched on is just the uh, the sense of passion that it develops in kids, whether you continue to play that sport or not, just knowing what it's like to be passionate about something. I mean, you can ask Richard. I mean, I'm passionate as, ba- as passionate about basketball today as I was 10 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I feel that same way about fitness. I mean, the passion I have for fitness came from the passion I developed or the passion that was born through sports and I mean, you it, you can carry it through you know all aspects of life. 
And, and that's what we want to be teaching our kids, I think. I mean, it's certainly the case for those of us who spend a significant amount of time mm-hmm. staying physically fit, that it really needs to be something that you do because it somehow enhances your life. Right. Not just the obvious health benefits, but it is somehow making you better, more productive, more efficient mm-hmm. at work and so forth. And that's something that I think we can teach kids at an early age, that if you focus on hair, spend some time enjoying sports, it's going to enhance other areas of your life. Jarvis, how much time we have left on the show here? Ten minutes. Okay. And speaking of Jarvis, Jarvis Essex is our amazing engineer Yay. here on <laughs> Distill It with Richard Listens. Actually, you got a shout-out that uh, that they love the graphic work you're doing. Jarvis is always searching for great graphics to go with our conversation. So thank you, our incredible engineer, Jarvis Essex. <laughs> um, back to you, Garrison. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing that, uh, that Aaron and Wendy had pointed out to me was that you have a really special way of motivating people. We always like to kind of end the show on motivating notes, and I do want to hear from Dr. Richard and Wendy and Aaron on that. But first, it's uh, it deals with animals, yes, something like this. Yes, I'm, I'm, <laughs> tell us about this. I'm big on finding the that inner animal. Oh, um, and here's a picture of you with the little with squirrel. The squirrel. <laughs> is that, is that the, your inner animal? The squirrel has is, is not my inner animal. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> You're so Although squirrely, for, for, for Ninja, War, for Ninja Warrior <laughs> purposes, I mean, that might be right. Yeah, squirrels can jump far. Yes, they can. And very, they can get up the very, wall. Very they agile great. creatures. They can now. get up that wall. That's yeah. right. Not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. But what is, uh, what's this motivation you use? Right. I mean, I tell people to find you know that inner animal in them, whatever that animal may be. I mean, you got a kid who wants to be the fastest. I mean, you tell them, yo, find that cheetah inside you. I mean, if you want to be the best at everything, I would say, you know, find the lion inside you. See, now he's the king of the jungle. If you want to be considered the king of your sport, you know, find the lion within you. Dr. Richard, you don't agree with that all the way, do you? Well, a little controversy here on the show. A little controversy, yeah. Well, (laughs) you see... You know, he's gonna I, he's gonna hurt you tomorrow. Right, by the remember, way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful. He's, I see that he's puffing up. Um, I mean, listen, having done martial arts and studied, you know, the use of animals and, and observed my own behavior, um, you know, I definitely have learned the psychology of what it's like to have a tendency to move like a lion and need to learn a little bit how to move like a snake or to move with agility, and that is a. a tremendous part of what uh, studio teaches in garrison has helped me uh, work on my inner uh, samba but uh, that being said you know when I, when I work with kids I really want them just like I said earlier I really want them to get a sense of play I really want them to just break down that wall of anxiety and um, thinking so much about being great or perfect and just um, you know play a game and right connect so what words of motivation? Can you leave our audience with as far as encouraging kids for Don't overthink it. You know, get out there. If there's a trail you want to explore, if there's a walk you want to go on, if there's a bike ride they've been asking you to do, if there's a a board game that you can get on the floor and, 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 and play, um, do it. And, and if your kid's making a request to try something that they're creative about or interested in, if you can facilitate that, that's the best gift you can give. And sometimes that requires getting out of your own head and your own mm-hmm. experience about what you think or what you know is best for them or what you need them to be. And it's interesting. You just said if if your kids are interested in this or want to do that, what about as a parent actually coming up with those activities? 
the, you know, I'm amazed. If you can be creative and you can make up games, listen, you know, I watch kids running around today playing hide-and-go-seek. I mean, you know, you can have fun, um, you know, making up games, making up creative challenges, and, uh, you know, it gets the brain going and it gets them excited just to feel like they're playing with you. They really want the interaction. Mm-hmm. They really want the attention yeah. on the most basic level. And and you can do these things even if you're an elite athlete. I mean, it builds the connection as a family. It builds the trust that you're just not about getting them to the next level and what reward you, they can give you vicariously. Mm-hmm. Great advice, Richard, said Sean. And uh, we just have a few minutes left. I just want to go around the table. Uh, Garrison, can you leave our audience with some words of motivation as far as getting your children involved in activities and sports? Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest uh, biggest piece of advice I can give is to let your kids try all sports. I mean, don't choose a sport for them to play because, I mean, for all you know, they could hate that sport. Uh, give them a chance. Like I said, I was fortunate enough to play all sports and weed out the sports I was less passionate about, and I feel our kids should get that opportunity. And I now toss it over to you, Wendy and Era. Like, what words of motivation do you have for our audience? I'm going to follow up on what Garrison has mentioned because just as important as it is to allow kids to try more than one sport, I think it's also important to help your kids have some patience with themselves and for you to have patience with your child because I think so much of the time, certainly if we're spending a significant amount of money on a class or a session or whatever it is, you know, we get frustrated. We have expectations. But sometimes you've got to just let that kid write it out, you know, Commit sure. to those 10 weeks that we, we paid for. Mm-hmm. Commit to one season and see what it what it's like for you. Mm-hmm. Let them have patience. You know, Teach them that it's okay to have patience and see mm-hmm. what develops. You don't have to see immediate results. That's, that's wonderful. Wendy? My bit of advice is really to understand that your passion may not be your kid's passion. And whatever your kid's passion is should be your passion. Um, at the end of the day... You know, I, I'm I'm the biggest sports fan in the world, and I when my son was born, I said, "Hey, you really are going to have to like sports to be in this household because this is <laughs> this is it, right?" But as I've become more accustomed to being a parent, I really realize if he turned around one day and said, "My passion is art," then you know what? I'm going to be passionate about sports, but I'm going to really learn about art. So I I think that passion is individual, and and as long as you're following your kid's passion, that you're going to do the right thing. Right, that's amazing. So we have three minutes left of the show, and and uh, and yeah, Sean Miller says imagination goes a long way. He reminds yeah. me we used to play in refrigerator boxes, you know. So mm-hmm. so it's like uh, that is important. Like even though we have focused on sports in that angle, but what you speak about, if they're passionate in another area, then you go with that and stuff, you know. And but it's still good on a, a whole level though to introduce some sort of activity to your kids and i think the sure, whole concept get them of off the sofa putting, sure. yeah, getting off the sofa yeah. getting off the phones that sort of thing uh our our fan lisa has she says great show she loves the show and dr richard and wendy and era she wishes you both success with the special maccabees night and with your fundraiser yeah. event thank you so much thank lisa. You, lisa. so we just have like two minutes left literally so garrison Tell us about the American Ninja Warrior. People can get tickets to actually watch the show live. Yeah, so if you would like to come, which I hope all of you can make it, you can go to on-audiences.com slash American underscore Ninja underscore Warrior, and you can reserve a ticket. They haven't been released yet, but if you have one reserved, as soon as they 
our release, you will get a phone call or text or email or however they get in touch with you. <laughs> and you're going to take care of all of us here to be there, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you're filming March 7th, right? March the 7th. Okay. And so then, Dr. Richard, really quick, Saturday night. Saturday night, Special Maccabees, Westside JCC, 730. It's going to be amazing. Basketball be amazing. game between your Special Maccabees and the Special Olympics. And the Special Olympics. And on March 8th, Wendy and Era. Fashionsetters.org, the hottest ticket in town. Don't miss it. Yeah, and as we spoke earlier, it's going to be an amazing night. Lots of great designers. Well, Era, you go ahead. Yes. Why am I pitching it? Lots of great designers, absolutely. Lots and of great NFL. designers, celebrities, sports stars. But more importantly, helping kids. Sorry. More importantly, helping yeah, kids, but helping absolutely. Kids. And enjoying some good food and drink while we're at right. it. Right, so and come the, and party it up with the us. website, one more time. Fashionsetters.org. All right, so lots of amazing stuff. I hope that we gave you some tips of interest and some motivation and inspiration. Thanks um, for uh, your comments tonight. They were great. Yeah, and everyone, Amazing. you made really great comments. And Mike Swimney says he, he rooted against my Longhorns and they lost to West Virginia. I Somebody did not. Oh. That would be your son, not me. <laughs> okay. But thank you for joining us here on Distill It with Richard Listens. We'll yeah. be back live in two weeks. In the meantime, you can always go to our Facebook page. Right now, it's facebook.com slash richardlistens. We will be putting together a new Facebook page, which is going to be Distill It. Keep liking the Facebook Lives. We appreciate it. Yeah. Keep yes. viewing it. Let us know topics you want to hear. And we mm-hmm. do put the shows up on YouTube, so go there, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, make comments. Richard, Wendy, and Era are always happy to answer in the comments. Yep. And thank you for being with us. We will see you here on Distill It with Richard Listens live in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.